Hi, I'm Matthew Viriapa, and you're listening to Songwriters and Tour Writers, a music podcast from KOSU. On this first episode is Oklahoma singer-songwriter John Calvin Abney. Abney has been called by Rolling Stone as one of the top 10 artists to watch in country. Between touring solo and as a guitarist for other bands and musicians like John Moreland and Lee Baines III and the Glorifiers, John has somehow been able to release another album titled Safe Passage. In the first half of this episode, Abney talks about his album Coyote and how he found his own voice on the album, his view on the craft of being a guitarist sideman. In the second half, Abney explores the origins and making of Safe Passage and what his mom thinks about the album. It's a great, great album. And I'm listening, you're listening to OSU. K-O-S-U. (laughs) K-O-S-U. I think this is the earliest mention of you on the internet or like on a publication. And it was a quote from you, like from outside a Westboro Baptist church protest. And you were playing the guitar and harmonica in the counter protest crowd. Yeah. Do you remember this? I do remember this. I, um, we all got, we all ate a meal over at Cafe Plaid when that was still there on Campus Corner. There's a photo of me with the with the counter protesters. Wow. You know, it's so funny to think back because I, I haven't changed that much. I would still do that today. Uh, but yeah. What what year was that? I think 2009. 2009. Is that something that you like kind of just did? Like, is that a regular thing that you were doing in college? Just yeah. playing music all around? Yeah, we had this this punk rock mentality kind of, you know, or early folk sing, protest singer stuff. Or me and all my friends would just show up and if anybody was hating or subjugating anybody, it was, you know, we we just wanted everything to to pan out we didn't uh, we didn't stand for that crap in our town you know you know from from uh, uh, from the Westboro Baptist Church to you know some of the people that set up on the South Oval that stuff drives me nuts when I read that I immediately thought of like Woody Guthrie I've been having some hard traveling I thought you knowed it's like the most famous kind of like protest Oklahoma folk singer? Absolutely. Um, Do you often get compared to Woody Guthrie? I get compared to Dylan more than Guthrie. Oh, I've been having some hard traveling, I thought you knowed. I've been having some hard traveling way down the road. I've been having some hard traveling, hard rambling, hard gambling, and I've been having some hard traveling long. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have a whole lot of protest songs in my repertoire, but I do, um, I do speak my mind quite often. Uh, you know, uh, I sing too much about heartbreak and love, so the Dylan comparison, you know, besides my hair and my big nose, <laughs> it fits, you know, it fits. But uh, yeah, I mean, Woody Guthrie's been a, a huge inspiration. Do you mind comparisons like that? No, like- no, 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 not at all, man. You know, it's uh, folk singers, man. You know, they, there's there's just something about them. You know, they're, they've got those songs like I'm a hard traveling, hard traveling hobo or whatever. And 
it's not that or anything. It's just uh, the comparison comes with um, folk music and form. You know, I mean, you're not using too many chords, and you're uh, you're trying to state a message, or uh, instead of going from your perspective, you know, you're trying to tell a story that um, resonates. It, it's it stands for something, you know. Folk music stands for something. It's not just love and heartbreak and stuff, you know. Is that what you were trying to do in um, college? Write music that stands for something? Yeah, and I did a really bad job of it. I never really could figure it out, you know, because heartbreak was so easy to write about. You know, it's funny, man. Like, I used to listen to bands like Dashboard Confessional and, <laughs> like, emo bands, you know, screamo bands, the used and stuff. And I always resonated with that stuff because it was just so, like, oh, heavy heartbreak, sadness, you know. And... Uh, Lyrically, it sticks with me a lot more. I think I've written more protest songs on this new record than I've written on any other record. So I think I'm speaking my mind about my perspective of the world and uh, writing is coming much more natural to me these days than back then, you know, because I got such a late start. Are there any other musical inspirations that you have? Oh, man. Um, I'm a huge fan of Elliot Smith. He's one of my favorites. Uh I love the Beach Boys like crazy. Brian Wilson is uh, one of my favorites of all time. I think he's one of the most brilliant composers. A lot of composition went into this new record, and I've always I've always loved the idea of composing larger pieces of music than doing the three chord, four chord folk song. Uh, I've always thought uh, um, bigger, you know, maybe not always better because I always. I had a tendency to throw everything in but the kitchen sink <laughs> when I was younger, and now I'm I'm much more choosy about what instruments are playing what and what voices are carrying what tune and how the rhythm and the the melody and the harmony is all carried out. And you know, it's it's funny, man. I'm 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 more influenced by my friends, the people I've gotten to work with, or just be around. Like my peers have have been very influential to me. You've played like. A ton of shows in the last year. A lot of stuff has happened. Like, I looked at your website, like 125 plus shows with John, 70 plus personal, and then you traveled like 70,000 miles, like all in 2018. Yeah. Being on the road a lot, you wrote most of like Coyote while on the road, right? Yeah, yes. Um, so, like, different hotel rooms and, like, yeah. your car. Hotel rooms were a really cool place. You know, I I never thought I'd be able to write on the road, and it was a skill I developed uh, gradually over time. And now now when I'm in a hotel room, I can write a song, you know. But back, back when I was younger, I just... I guess I just hadn't found an easy access way to, for me to write, you know. But now I can write wherever I am, you know, which is kind of a nice skill to have in, in my field <laughs> what's been the best hotel to write in uh is there a chain like oh motel eight holiday inn express that's where we all we stay in a lot of holiday inn expresses and i wrote a lot of coyote and holiday inn expresses and in the van i wrote that song sundowner uh in the denver holiday inn good night for a little Between every hour, there are letters in piles. Your tide is at midnight and noon. I'm pushing.
pushing back water like the pull of the moon down a sinking behind a rising line I'm hiding from what I must do vibe of a holiday inn like that helps you write uh, i don't even think it's the, the vibe of the holiday inn it's just the fact that i'm alone in a room you know and it's quiet um it's just a good place to get your guitar out and strum you know unless you want to watch garbage tv or something you know <laughs> where was it that you did like i guess your best writing like do you remember like a state or like a town you know uh occasionally i'll go visit my mom in tulsa and she works all the time, so she's out of the house a lot. And her kitchen table is my favorite place to write. I have this this process where I just take all these different pieces, all these different pieces and lyrics, and spread them out on a table, and everything just kind of pops out at me. And I get a clean piece of paper, and I just start writing and start, you know, figuring out. Pushing towards paradise on blacktop and tar. Wondered if my soul, it matched my scars Went off the rails, I went off the track If you weren't there, could you come back? My blood was red, but I worried it She's promises to dust One of these days we will learn to trust There's no point in making this so tough Can't you see now we were always Symbols we held to our sides, burning holes in our pockets and fireproof bright. I'm walking in love, I'm flying in chains, covered in the mud, praying for rain. Done with speaking lines, it's oh so strange what it takes to be. Promises to dust. One of these days we will learn to trust. There's no point in making this so tough. Can't you see now? We were always enough. My friend Megan Palmer, who plays fiddle on the record, her and I arranged arranged strings for that record. You know, big, big string sections, and double-tracked acoustic guitars, and big drums and bass, and tons of vocal harmonies a la 
the Beach Boys, except I, I can't compose vocal harmonies like Brian Wilson, even a fraction. I don't know how long we've been down here. Everybody singing, when are you gonna come back up for air? It's different every time, but I always feel really comfortable writing at my mom's house for some reason. You know, sometimes I'll finish a song and I'll be like, you know what, I wrote one of my favorite songs today, I'll play it for her. And I think she's just a proud mom, you know, she just likes to know that I'm working. And she she was a big influence on me because she was an artist. Uh, she is still an artist. Uh, she can paint and she can sketch and... Yeah, she's a big influence, man. She she knows she's very feng shui, man. She knows where everything needs to go, and it feels very right, you know. When you told her that you were gonna like pursue being a musician, was she pretty supportive? Uh, yeah, you know, especially after I proved myself, like that I was I could make a living doing it. That was when she was happy, you know. My grandmother, on the other hand, when I was fifteen, I told her I wanted to be a rock star, and she just turned white as a sheet, white as a ghost, you know. And she just said, you know, you should be a doctor or a lawyer or something. And uh, my sweet grandmother writes me a note every single year that says, doctor or lawyer, what was I thinking? I'm so proud of your music career. You know, it's very sweet. It haunts her a little bit, you know, it bothers her. She's like, I can't believe I ever said to you that, you know, you shouldn't follow your dream to be a musician. So, but I'm lucky to come from a long line of really killer strong women. You've been on the road just like for the past year, and you're about to go on the road again. <laughs> I've been on the and road for like five years. Do you like traveling? I do like traveling. I, I don't uh, – the older I get, you know, the more my body doesn't like traveling, but my mind and spirit love it. A lot of the traveling you've been doing like recently at least has been with John Morland. Yeah. As like a, I guess – is the professional term sideman? Sideman's good, yeah. It, it, we're we're brothers, man. We're We're – you know, partners in crime, you know, thick as thieves. He's uh, he's one of my best buddies, and uh, it's been really great, you know. Him and I have put in a lot of time, a lot of miles. I'm wondering, like, what your perspective is on, like, being a good sideman or, like, a good accompanist. A good sideman, uh, and this is something that took me a long time to learn. Um, 
a good side man knows knows his or her place in the in the picture you know in the in the in the song in the uh in the grand scheme of the set you know um knowing the artist um and trusting the artist and uh trusting yourself that you're going to make the right musical decisions on stage but at the same time you know a good sideman brings out the best in uh a front a front person so um and i've had the opportunity to be a front man and and be a sideman so um that has granted me uh in-depth perspective on um should and should not being a sideman is a hell of a skill to have especially if you're a front person because you know, there's just uh, everyone has their job, and if everyone does the job right, then the then then the band is a well-oiled machine, or the duo, or the trio, or whatever, what have you. But uh, yeah, you know, it all comes together, man. How has being a sideman like helped you out with like your own solo stuff? You know, I'm I'm really lucky that um, I, I've been a sideman to Moreland for a long time, and it's granted me a chance to perform and study like you know my i i think my my buddy john is is a uh an unbelievable songwriter uh it's just a in my eyes he's tops you know um i really i really respect the guy a lot and uh, i listened to his music before i was in the band you know so it was you know i was singing his records at the top of my lungs in my car you know before i was ever in his band so Arkansas River, Salisaw Blue This town never seen nothing like you They got silver stars for American gods I want to be stone thrown American rods It's allowed me a, a place to study songwriting you pick up something from every single person you play with that you back. It's granted me a bigger a bigger audience. You know, John's been kind to share his audience with me and it's uh it's been a really cool ride, man. It's no use. God bless these blues. Let's get wrecked and Are you trying to, I guess, also learn from trying with uh Lee Baines the third and the Glory Fires. You know, I I love this band. I love the Glory Fires so much, and Lee is such a stand-up guy, man. And he he's fighting for everything that's right in the world. You know, he's just a brilliant person, man. He's kind as all hell, and he'd give you the shirt off his back. And so I think uh, I think um, I'm gonna learn a lot musically because um, you know they're like a southern rock band with all this punk background, and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be you know shredding shredding licks you know shredding southern rock licks while the glorifiers do their thing you know it was a kind of a random thing Told me his um, 
his wife was listening to the Leonard Skinner live record and said, you know, why don't you get an Oki? You know, because Steve Gaines was the Oklahoma guitar player for Leonard Skinner. So they go, why don't you call that Oki boy, you know, that, that plays guitar for John Moreland and sure as hell, and you know, he sure did. And, and uh, that's that, man, you know. That's another thing about being a sideman is that, you know, other bands, um, they notice how hard you work and they... Uh, they feel like they can rely on you. It gets you other work, you know. It gets you, uh, you make you make friends, man. We're gonna be in the Netherlands for about a week and a half, and gonna be in France for a few days, and then gonna finish up doing a couple weeks in Spain. It sounds really exciting. You. You've been to a lot of these places, though, before, haven't you? I've played all over Europe and Scandinavia, but I've never played in Spain, so I'm really excited to go to Spain. How how well does, like, Europe react to, I guess, this kind of deep Americana? They love it. Uh, John and I played a, a festival in Stockholm, Sweden, called Stockholm Americana uh, last year, and, uh, I mean, it just looked like, uh, it was crazy, man. Everyone just had cowboy boots on and, you know, Western dresses and pearl snaps and cowboy hats. And I was just like, what? Where are we? You know, I was like, I, I just didn't expect it. But yeah, Americana is huge in in uh, in Europe and the UK and Scandinavia. It's wild, man. They they uh, it's a it's a big thing over there. It's uh, it's awesome. <laughs> I never thought I'd be doing this, you know, and here I am. Um, so does traveling help you out a lot with like songwriting? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I had an album called Far Cries and Close Calls that, and hell, Coyote too. Uh, a lot of traveling songs, a lot of songs about being gone from home. And, you know, I don't, I don't get to have normal relationships with people because I'm gone from their lives half the year all the time, you know? What about Oklahoma? Does being away from Oklahoma help you? I guess, write about it later. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You know, a lot of people who have never been to Oklahoma call it a flyover state, but I think Oklahoma is absolutely beautiful, and there's so much inspiration in just the geographic uh, attributes of our state that are inspiring, and uh, it's good to come home. You know, I love traveling, but it's always great to hit the Oklahoma border and say, ah, there are my allergies again. <laughs> you know, seeing all the flowers, all the... All the paintbrush and all the all the big beautiful trees and the rolling hills and the red dirt and stuff. It's uh, there's a reason, you know, that uh, Oklahoma's so beautiful. I miss Oklahoma, her boundless rolling land. The tall grass hair she twirls in her hand. A paintbrush wildflower. Arms red and tan Gather round you cowboys And all you canyon queens I'm going back to the country To see what all this means I think Coyote marks a a point in which I found um, my voice um it's funny, you know, I've been making records for a really long time now, but I feel like Coyote was the one where I was using my true voice as 
John Abney and not uh, trying to be Dylan or um, you know any of any of my influences. Instead of being some of my influences, I feel like I was finally John Calvin Abney, and that was uh, it was a really special thing to finish that record and release it and say, "Well, hell, I feel like I've developed." as an as a writer and as a singer and uh as a composer and uh sounds like me you know I mean that was one thing I, I showed my girlfriend at the time and a couple of my friends and a couple of my family members and all geographically and isolated from each other and out of communication they all said the same thing they go man this sounds like you this is like this record just sounds like you and I was like yes I had no hesitation with any of the music that was on Coyote um and I can't say that about any records I've I've written. Uh, it was the easiest record I've ever written, and uh, it was by far my favorite record. Coyote was a a snapshot. It was a very wild and tumultuous time, and uh, I feel like I documented my my view from it very well. I'm really excited about this one I got coming out in autumn, but um, there was you know there was a little struggle and push and pull you know I split it up into two separate sessions with two separate groups of musicians and uh and now I've got this thing that's very much uh, oh I love the new record I'm I'm really excited to share it with the world and I was listening to Brian Wilson a lot <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, I was I felt like uh um you know uh I got to I I basically got to go in the studio uh, with some of my favorite people in the world, you know, John Moreland played electric guitar on it, and buddies Will Johnson and Shauna Tucker with a rhythm section, and Megan Palmer came out and did strings and a little bit of pianos with me, and uh, and then my buddy David Leach, longtime collaborator and friend David Leach, played bass on the second sessions, and friend Brian McGrath played uh, drums on the second session, and we did it down in Austin. This record is my most positive record to date. It's got sad songs, but uh, it's got a really uplifting message. Uh, I feel uh, there's so many sad songs in the world, but there isn't enough telling people that it's gonna be okay, you know? Just trying to instill a little bit of hope in this one, you know? anything else you want to say uh y'all take care of each other out there and uh tip your wait staff and your bartenders and uh call your mom every once in a while uh in the words of my dear friend uh steve ripley uh kiss your babies and uh call your mom yeah <laughs> yeah it was good to meet you buddy and uh I hope we cross paths again. Remember, family is what's important. Tell your mama you love her. Kiss your babies. We're all in this together. Back in April, John said that this album was going to be his most positive release to date. But when the day came for him to announce the album, his father passed. But it didn't change the intentions and purpose for the songs written. For him, it seems to have only deepened the meaning. When we talked again in the fall, we started a conversation about a movie. I saw you tweet about Peanut Butter uh, Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, after I saw that, I was like, oh, I've never heard of this movie. And I went out and saw it. It's a really good movie. It's an movie. amazing movie, man. It's so weird. And it's like strangely Southern, like well, North Carolina. Yeah, man. It goes all the way down to the Florida coast. And the entire general tone of the movie was 
was Southern, and I find a lot of comfort in the South. I, I just have a lot of friends and a lot of family down in the South. Anything about that movie that stood out to you? I'm a big fan of any movie that has a tone of like jubilation or conquering the odds, you know. Um, made me feel good. It made me feel happy to see that movie. So what I say is go. I say jump, you say how high. How high. There it is. Rule number one, don't slow me down. Rule number two, I'm in charge. And you're going to carry your own weight. You are in charge. That's right. Hey, what's rule number one? What's rule number one? Party? No, not party. No, it's not party. You know, I, I stood up at the end of that movie and I, I was like, I, I mean, I cried during that movie twice, you know? It was just love. Gosh, there's so much love in that movie and that's what, I seriously, I went, I went twice. I went once with a friend and the second time I went by myself after I had a couple beers and I just had an absolute good time. It's love, man. There's so much love in that movie. It's wild. It had a great soundtrack. Oh, it had an amazing soundtrack. You let a half-naked boy with Down syndrome who has no idea how to get along in this world just slip out from under your nose. You two are close. We are. Well, then you'll figure out where he's at and you'll bring him back. So with a safe passage, like when we talked earlier, and I think it was like April or May, um, did you already have the title settled? I did not have the title settled. I didn't get the title until uh, it was April 7th. It was my 30th birthday. I was in Iowa City, and uh, John Moreland and I had just finished performing um, at, at a festival. And there was something relatively cosmic about that night. There was just a, a, a line of happenings and signs and symbols that were laying themselves out to me. And sometimes you don't really ever really expect an album title. Uh, and it, it just kind of lands in your lap. It just shows itself to you sometimes. And um, John and I were sitting at the end of the stage after the performance and People were filtering out, and they had got me a cake with you know, a little, a little tiny cake with a, with the two big wax candles that said three and zero on it. So we're having a slice of cake with the team and just uh, you know <laughs> celebrating the end of my uh, my twenties. And this guy who who had just seen the show walked up to us, and he seemed. Uh, heightened, you know, he seemed somewhere between, uh, ah, like he was seeing the world in a different way than we all were, and he just said, I mean, we had a great time at the show, and he said, thank you, you know, thank you for being here, and he looked at us, looked at John and I, and there was, there was this moment of silence, and he said, safe passage, <laughs> I looked at him and I was like, what? <laughs> he said, safe passage. You both safe passage. And then he walked off just like with this glowing smile on his face. And John and I looked at each other. And I said, well, that that's it. I'm naming my record that. How could I not name my record that right now? That was perfect. 
I'm playing Iowa City next month, and I, I, I hope I see that guy. So it was all, it's all you, man. <laughs> you were the great medium. He, he just looked like he was glowing, man. Like he was uh, connected somehow. Just humming on some <laughs> thread of energy that I sure as heck wasn't. Do you remember where you were when you wrote some of these songs for this album? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any in mind? Um, I heard one uh, you kind of wrote the music for in uh, Texas, but then you wrote the lyrics somewhere while touring in Europe. Yeah, Maybe Happy. It was South by Southwest uh, right after or right before Coyote came out. Uh, I woke up the day we were going to play, and the band had, had just driven down from Norman, and I was on tour, so I, I met them down there. And I wrote this, I wrote Maybe Happy, all the music on the piano sitting there. Um, and uh, I just put that, all that melody and those chords, those voices in my back pocket. And uh, Moreland and I were touring Europe in summertime. And we were in Utrecht, Netherlands. Uh, we were in the green room there and they had a grand piano in there. And I was messing around with that idea. And then, you know, that night, uh, Moreland and I had these hotel rooms that had uh, windows that were kind of split off from each other and so we could keep them open and we had our own rooms but we could talk to each other. You know, I'd play a chord progression or I'd sing a lyric and he'd be like, man, that sounds great over there, you know? <laughs> and so it was kind of cool just to, and I, you know, I'd be like, what about this change, you know? And he'd be like, yeah, I like that one better, you know? Empty. And 
Just uh, wrote all the words for maybe happy and one evening just sitting in that room uh, on a night the night after in uh, we were in Utrecht yeah uh, that song is very very much in in my voice I, I very much uh, I loved recording that song it's kind of funny you know on a lot of these songs you know um, you could probably tell me the say the song and I could tell you where I wrote it uh, one other one I think you talked about you were somewhere in uh, I think. Colorado and some cabin. Yeah, you know, and it's funny. I um, I just want to feel good. Actually, that's the song that begins the record. And maybe Happy finishes the record. I wrote that song in 2015. I wrote it. I wrote it a long time ago, and I was gonna put it on uh, Far Cries and Close Calls, and I was gonna put it. And I didn't, and then I was gonna put it on Coyote. So this song's been recorded four times, and um, I finally found an arrangement that really spoke to me and um it it made perfect sense alongside the rest of the lyrics and the music on on safe passage and it um it was a perfect thing to sing right up front it kind of opens up the rest of the the uh the ideas i was sick I just drove from Norman to Colorado and stayed in Ridgeway, Colorado for about a week. I carried, you know, probably 300 pounds of equipment, you know, up the mountain, just decided to park my truck and try to record the record up there to tape on my four track. And I ended up just writing about 20, 23 songs or something while I was up there, but I didn't record a damn thing. Um... But um, that was one of the songs I wrote. I wrote it real quick, and I was just out of nagging, just terrible cold, you know, and I was just drinking coffee and eating little meals here and there and drinking wine at night. Well, I'm not gonna be a martyr for your grace That's not in my cards or the lines in my face That's all over and done you're the acting judge Putting me on trial Am I slow in new beginnings Or am I stuck in reconcile I gave it hell as long as I could Now I just want to feel good I 
hot desert spell It makes you an old child Hard up and convinced that you were once wild As you pulled down your blinds And I drove down the veins Discovered in our youth Made better time than last year But I still don't have the Healing scars I never understood Now I just want to feel good I'm very thankful for my Aunt Lori She, uh, uh, she was a lunch lady, man In, in the, the school district up there So she, uh you know, she just had the place and she just, you know, gave me the, the empty room in the house. Yeah. You know, she, uh, she, she helped me by granting me a space more than once up there. Over the course of just like recording it over and over and over again, did it change at all? Yeah. Um, the first time I recorded it, I did everything but the kitchen sink mentality. Uh, you know, just try to do all these different things and then we recorded it another time and it was just you know me solo and i didn't quite like the way i sang it and i didn't have time to do it again so i just you know whatever just threw it to the to the back reaches of my brain and and then we recorded it again for coyote and it turned out kind of had this like paul simon <laughs> kind of island feel like a dun, 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 dun. you know it was like this like kind of is island americana thing that really didn't uh it didn't really sit well with me i just i felt like it was a little bit too bright and bushy-tailed for the the lyrical concepts on coyote and um and so this time around um i think it it it's just completely stripped down you know i just um double tracked some guitars and uh just sang it and that was it no harmonica no uh, no instrumentation but guitar and voice. Well, bridge and tunnel mamas, plastic pinwheel kites. I watched a rich man's children win another fight. We all knew what for. And I'm here most nights, singing to make sense of the uncertain times I just sat upon. Searching for green grass and falsehoods Now I just want to feel good Been singing for green grass and falsehoods Now I just want to feel good You mentioned on like uh, this album there are a lot more bigger compositions uh mm -hmm. what, what was the process like for writing a lot of those i wrote most of the music on the piano which uh gives me six or five more hold on let's see here so you have six voices on the guitar so i can i'm and i've got 10 fingers so i can do 10 voices on the piano you know what i mean mm -hmm. so with those extra four voices i was able to kind of think in in different ways you know voicing bass lines a little bit differently and voicing um voicing the melodies differently and being able to kind of reharmonize um, entire sections, but keeping the melody as is and 
you know, a lot of it just came from sitting down at the piano and sitting down at the guitar and hearing more. On Maybe Happy, I heard, I immediately heard, you know, traditional rock and roll band, you know, I heard bass, I heard drums, I heard acoustic guitar, double tracked, and I heard the vocal, and then I heard piano, and then I heard um, all these synth bell lines that were coming to mind, and, you know, and I heard the ocean, you know, I heard this, like, this wanting to be closer to water, and so I, I had an old keyboard that had a sample of a, you know, an ocean wave, and I just clicked it held it down you know for the whole song <laughs> you know and you hear these little you hear these little seagulls these little midi seagulls going coo, coo, in the background it's great i love it you know it, it it almost reminds me of um you know my love for super nintendo video games you know you know little things like that you know little casio synthesizers i heard those and i heard the the string arrangements and then i heard all the vocals and um yeah you know it, it just coalesces as especially when you're in the studio and you're in a creative space like that, you begin to hear things as the song begins to form to tape. Uh, you begin to hear things shine through. You're like, man, we should try that because I'm really, I feel um, a pull towards certain voices and certain sounds. This kind of sounds similar and um, kind of bringing this up because I just saw the Love and Mercy movie, yeah, uh, the I biopic. I love that movie. Yeah, that I mean, uh, it's tragic to see, you know to see the the hurdles and the obstacles that were put in Brian Wilson's way. You know, everything from his dad selling all the songs to Warner. I think it was Warner Brothers, and you know him just not wanting to tour anymore, and he still wanted to create music, and he didn't want to sing about beaches and cars anymore or surfing. He's like, I don't even do that stuff, man. He's like, I don't want to be in the studio, and I want to produce music. I want to compose, and I want to express myself through all these different sounds. You talking just kind of reminded me of that scene of uh, him putting together good vibrations. Close my eyes, she's somehow closer now. Softly smile, I know she must be kind. It's weird how she comes in so strong. And I wonder what she's picking up from me I hope it's I'm picking up good vibrations She's giving me the excitations I'm picking up good vibrations What's your favorite, like, Beach Boys or Brian Wilson song? Oh, man, that's tough. You know, um, I'm going to have to say... I think my favorite Brian Wilson composition is Let's Go Away for a While. It's an instrumental on Pet Sounds. And um, there's no words, there's no vocals, but um, the quality of every instrument in that song is so important. Every, everything is just in its right place.
I didn't hear the Beach Boys the way I hear them now. You know, now I'm listening to it. I'm like, oh man, I hear all these these colors and these feelings and these emotions that I, I maybe wasn't quite attuned to as a younger person. Is there anything specific from uh, Brian Wilson or the Beach Boys that you put onto this album? Yeah, absolutely. I um, I feel like uh, songs like uh, Kind Days and Days of Disconnect and Soft Rain After All May Be Happy, they all have a heavy 60s pop influence. I was listening to Brian Wilson a lot when I was writing the, the back half of this record. And um, on, a, on Kind Days, I sang harmony with myself you know the string arrangements and the the vocal layering the harmonies it was fun to experiment i heard a bird sing its morning word past the sirens blaring i saw its flight against the dawning light Smile while I was staring It's so easy, so easy To cover your eyes with feathers and fleas But we don't need, we don't need Reminders will be released Kind days are coming, warm nights of loving I blamed heaven and hell to send a time machine. It's so easy, so easy to cover your eyes with feathers and fleas. But we don't need, we don't need reminders. There's like a Hawaiian steel line on there that I was really, that was heavily influenced by the Beach Boys. And, uh, when we were recording the record, there was a, a broken vibraphone in the instrument closet in the studio. And, uh, and I said to the engineer, we gotta drag this out. Through the paces and daily races, you'd rather not be running. But at the end, There'll be a friend, the day will 
didn't know about you uh when we first talked was that you had a part-time job once uh repairing like video games oh that's currently that's what i'm doing right now Oh, really yeah you still do that uh, yeah I, I just uh when i'm home from tour i pick up a day or two a week doing um uh cleaning cartridges and um you know fixing like replacing parts on old you know, nes and super nes systems and cleaning game gears and Genesis's and all that stuff. Yeah, I was a huge gamer my entire life. I really, really love video games. And it's it's good for me because uh, I, you know, video, I like video games and I like to stay busy. And it's just, uh, it's good busy work. It's a uh, good, good reflection time. <laughs> you seem to rarely be like just kind of doing nothing then. Like yeah. Even the times that you're back in town, you're repairing video games. Yeah, I, I, I um, I'm learning to relax again, I, I I feel like that that's something that I need to I need to learn how to relax again. I I, <laughs> I feel like when I'm at home, I can't quite uh, can't quite turn off the the uh, the thoughts, you know. So I, if I stay busy, then I can filter them easier and compartmentalize them. And um, video games are great too, man. You keep your, keep your hands and your mind busy, you know. I've been playing a lot of piano recently too, and that's been um, that's always great. What's your favorite video game right now? Oh man, that's tough. You know, I um, oh man, I've been really enjoying the Switch, the Nintendo Switch, because I can take it on the road with me, and I have a PS Vita. Um, I've been playing, you know, all the old Capcom RPGs and Final Fantasies and all the SquareSoft stuff, you know. Mostly vintage stuff, mostly stuff from the 90s, you know, and, um, you know, all the PS1 JRPGs. Last time you mentioned uh, some Japanese, like, composers and uh, musicians. They were mostly video game composers from the 90s. Um, yeah, Gyazunori Mitsuda and Kaiichi Suzuki and Shogo Sakai. This is Keiichi Suzuki's Eight Melodies, 
from the 1989 video game, Mother. And while the song sounds simple being played through the Nintendo Entertainment System, which was the video game console that it came out on, here's what it sounds like when it's taken out of the game. This is eight melodies sung by the St. Paul's Cathedral Choir. stuff is just unbelievably nostalgic because I tie it to these you know these these massive storylines these these character these character arcs and these developments of um, conflict and, and resolution and you know the, the music just is is inevitably and inexorably tied into these things and these composers do an unbelievable justice to you know coloring these games with, with, with these beautiful sounds and compositions. Is that something that you've done or want to do? Score a video game? I have wanted to score a video game my entire life. I just started scoring um, documentaries and short films, uh, which has been really nice. Uh, I did the the score, the original score for Turlton, which is a documentary from Sterling Harjo and uh, Bobby Dean Orcutt and uh, uh, Fire Thief Productions in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, I went in there and I scored. Uh, I scored the whole documentary, man. It was really, a, really a special, a special thing for me. Have you asked your mom what she thinks of the record? Oh man, she's. <laughs> I um, she she likes the record, man. You know, uh, she's of course you know my my <laughs> my biggest fan. You know, recently I just uh, um, my grandmother is um she bought a boom box like a cd boom box that she keeps with her wherever she goes now and um she just spins my cds and it's kind of amazing and it says it just she just tells me how much it brings her comfort and it, you know it just it helps her just relax you know she says and you know it brought a tear to my mom's eye and sure as hell brought a tear to my eye because i was like well that's just that's the whole point of this. That's, <laughs> you know, and she, uh, my, I gave my mom an advanced copy of, uh, of the CD of Safe Passage and grandma said, you know, I need, I need that. So my mom left it in, uh, in Enid at my grandma's house. And so she's been spinning the record and I'm, I'm lucky to have those, those women in my life. So I wouldn't really be doing my due diligence if I didn't fact check. So as John Calvin Abney said way back in April, Call your mom every once in a while. Here's John Calvin Abney's mom. Hey, 
Hey, Mom, you're on the radio. I'm on the radio? Yeah, you're on the radio. Hi, uh, (laughs) I'm interviewing your son for KOSU, and uh, we just wanted to ask you, uh, what do you think of uh, John's album? I think it's probably one of his best albums. Um, The songs are meaningful, and I like his style of music, and I think everyone else does too because of the you know, it's the lyrics. It's the lyrics, and um, I loved it. I love the new album. You know, I listen to a lot of. Um, um, I'm going to say I'm going to say the word new artists, artists that are that are, you know, where Calvin, where John is. Um, he's turned me on to a lot of, um, you know, folk artists, Americana pop artists that um, I really, really like. Um, and there's a lot of people that will never get an opportunity to sometimes hear that music. Um, so, I mean, I support the arts, but um, I love listening to up-and-coming artists. I think Calvin's a little past that now. Um, you know, he's kind of found his niche. But, I don't know about that. This album really different from Coyote. Coyote was me d- dealing with a lot of um, external issues, but they were still personal issues. Um, and Safe Passage is a lot, a lot more about me battling internally to, in order to be more positive externally. Um, you know, the name itself—it's—it's it's funny as the name came um, cosmically through. Uh, that fellow in Iowa City, um, as the songs began to coalesce and everything was hitting the tape and a sequence started coming to mind and all the words started kind of swirling around in this vortex that is an album, 
um, I, I, I was more aware that the songs were less about me and more about characters and people in my life. I just wanted to release a message of hope more, you know, I just something that people could listen to and, uh, and feel light. Kind of like the way you left feeling a peanut butter falcon, just like feeling <laughs> a jubilation. Yes, and peanut butter falcon, you know, I, I came out of that movie smiling and crying because it was just, it just, yeah, it did, man. It was exactly what I needed to see and it was exactly what I needed to experience right then and there. And But um, is that <laughs> the kind of like reaction you hope people will have to your album? Yeah. I honestly, I just wanted to make a record that, that somebody could listen to and feel good. Go to KOSU.org to learn more about John Calvin Abney. Links and a list of all the music played will be online. Will you do me a favor, Mom? Yes, I will. Will you say, hey, this is Christy Abney, John Calvin Abney's mom. Mm -hmm. I could do that. And you should listen to Safe Passage. <laughs> Welcome to KOSU. Go. I can do that. Do it. Hi, this is Christy Abney, John Calvin Abney's mother. And I think you need to pick up a copy or get it where you get your music of Safe Passage. It's a great, great album. <laughs> And I'm listening, you're listening to OSU. K-O-S-U. K-O-S-U. <laughs> awesome. All right, Mom, I love you. Thanks so much. Bye, you guys have a good time. Songwriters and Tour Writers is a production of KOSU and the service of Oklahoma State University. Our editor is Brian LaCroix, and our cover art was created by Terry Ferris. You can find songwriters and tour writers wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. And if you're listening on NPR One, give us a heart or a favorite. Learn about all of our podcasts at KOSU.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Matthew Viriapa.